Trials of Apollo, The Dark Prophecy, Chapter 5. Tell you a story? Or I could just, like, pass out and twitch on the couch. This was Leo's cue to sit at my feet. Hi, I'm Ava. I'm Neve. And I'm Brayden. And this is Return to Camp Half-Blood, the English class that you always wanted. Where we analyze the Percy Jackson and Heroes of Olympus books through a new theme every week. Nice. Hmm. Thank you. Thank you. I feel like I really found Apollo's voice. <laughs> I unironically feel like you kind of did too. <laughs> I I'm very I really am starting to identify with with Apollo's characterization. I think it's like great annoying gay person representation. Oh. We don't we just have so much model minority representation where there's like they're gay but they're also great and like because they have to be because they're representing this entire group but no Apollo's terrible and annoying and I feel seen no I love it like he's the worst bisexual you've ever met he is me yeah he's he's such good representation like I, I can't name other representation that is is doing the annoying queer community um, as much of a service. Yeah. Thank you, Apollo. <laughs> Ava, Neve, how are we this week? I'm clearly annoying, um, but no, I'm actually I'm pretty good. I get to see um, Brayden and Neve amongst um, our other little college friends that we love so much. Um, in when it's released tomorrow but when we're recording it three days and i'm so excited because i haven't seen i haven't seen you guys since graduation because i wasn't able to like make the one event that you guys like all saw each other at and like i'm just so freaking excited and it's gonna be so awesome and we're all making the pilgrimage to new jersey and except i i like your part of new jersey i do um it is fun and the beach rocks so yeah that's what I have to say about that specific part of New Jersey um yeah so I'm I'm doing pretty well I'm like packing for that and packing for um I mean all three of us move on September 1st which is crazy so I'm starting to pack for that as well and all that jazz but doing okay yeah how about you, Neve? I'm good. Um, I'm so excited to continue to prove that no matter how much shit these people talk, they all end up back in fucking New Jersey every summer because they're like, oh, Neve, let's buy a beach. So I just want to co- like put out there, New Jersey stays winning. It literally doesn't matter. We like For the record, about- for the record, you just happen to live near a beach. There are beaches other places. We just don't I know. live and we, near them. And we talked about like getting a place at a different beach to meet up. And we were like, no, we'll just go with New Jersey. If you didn't want to, you if you wanted to, you would have. But we're still here in New Jersey. So, um, but otherwise, this part of New Jersey is kind of exhausting for me to live in as I work at a beach restaurant. So I'm excited to have someone else at a beach restaurant serve me beach restaurant food and not me be the one serving someone else's beach restaurant food <laughs> as I am very tired from working a lot. Um, and this week is no exception, even though I have a fun little visit coming up. I will be working like two doubles in a row. So that should be fun. <laughs> 
don't know why I do this to myself, um, but I do need the money. So it is what it is. Um, but otherwise I've been doing good. Um, yeah, just getting ready, getting ready to move, but yeah, exciting times. How are you, Brayden? I am, I'm chilling. I had a rough day at work. Do you so want to tell us all about it? That, it's like not even that interesting. I was training someone today and he... That put, is something that's never been asked of me. And I literally, knock on wood, I think they just know, like, stay away from me if she won't train you. Every, every <laughs> I literally job. love to hear it. Like, I don't need that. Every job I've ever worked at, like, I hate training. At least one of the restaurants I worked at, you got a free meal. Yeah, it is nice to get the free meal. But I, you get nothing at the place that I work currently. Um, so all of the pain, no reward. Um, and this kid could not do math. Like basic, like oh. like ad chain. <laughs> like couldn't tell the difference between a quarter and a nickel. Oh. It's these days. Ooh. <laughs> it's these, the pandemic. Really the pandemic. back. Yeah, though I have to say this kid is 19 and I do think oh. you basic addition a like a, li- a little before you turn 15. Yeah, and like the US monetary system I feel like is introduced pretty early in the curriculum. Right. Agreed. Like at least co- like I guess there was a coin shortage in 2020. So <laughs> we're we're assuming that was the year that he learned math. That was still 2020. And he learned all the math. Accelerators, perchance. But that was just frustrating. And then a lot of customers today were rough. But it is what it is. Comes with the job. Other than that, I couldn't even tell you what I've been doing. I've just been working. And it feels like that's all all I do. Um, Like, I feel like I haven't even been, like, consuming media like i just i've been existing um i've been on on twitter a lot which is weird because it's disappearing like it's not twitter anymore but it's twitter i won't it's say so name. sad no i won't voice say, its name we don't either. say her name on this podcast but it's twitter um it's other twitter. than that uh astonishing iceman number one came out last week and it was incredible it's so gay in like a great way um Iceman is like chaotic Apollo levels gay in (laughs) this book and it's the first time I think a writer has gotten his voice well so check out Astonishing Iceman number one if you have any interest in comics at all um other than that, welcome back to Return to Game Half-Blood. This week, we'll be discussing the Trials of Apollo, which is still weird to say. Can't believe we're here. The Dark Prophecy, chapters five through eight, through the theme of courtship. And very specially, uh, we have a guest for the first time in a minute um, doing a double feature. He'll be with us next week as well. Uh, Robert, whose voice I'm sure you know if you've been listening to this podcast for a while. Um, 
the best Dan, not the best Dan meme page. I'm mixing you and Fran's uh, handles up. <laughs> um, the Dan meme page, um, who does uh, memes for all of the Percy Jackson podcasts, um, as well as on various podcast projects themselves. So do two other podcasts. Don't ask me how. Don't ask me how I schedule my free time. Uh, but hi, it's me. I'm back. When the hell was the last time I was on here? This is one of the Heroes of Olympus books. I don't remember which one. You, I, you last time you were here, I think it was like the beginning of Blood of Olympus. Yeah. Damn, it's we're been gonna... a while. <laughs> which oh, it feels like so long since we read that book. Yeah, yeah. That book was also a lot of void content, like a lot of just like like very nothing. So it feels like even longer ago because what happened? Very, yeah, Blood of Olympus. I think the only thing I can honestly remember is like the Percy nosebleed. That's really it. Yeah, yeah. It was a standout moment, and then one of the only moments that I can recall. And Zeus becoming big and literally smacking the Argo two across the world. That's also the other thing. I <laughs> That's funny. I so like that. true. Oh yeah, I didn't remember that one right away, in. but I'm glad that one's come back to the to the public consciousness. That was a good one. Yeah. No, him being punted fucking across. Oh my god. So camp. Incredible. Um all right. Robert, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. But it is time for our recap of these chapters. Oh no. Whenever you're ready in three, two, one, go. <laughs> uh, okay, this is a lot of exposition. We kind of get revealed that Apollo did an oopsie whoopsie fucky walkie in his past where he overheard two girls running from their father and he thought they said, Apollo saved me. And so he saved them and made them immortal. Actually, they said Artemis saved me, but they're still grateful. And by grateful, they're just going to join the hunters of Artemis. Uh, one of these people is uh, Emmy, Emma. I forgot what the fuck she calls herself, um, who in the 80s decides, hey, you know, uh, being immortal is cool, but you know what's cooler? Being gay and growing old with someone. Hashtag LGBT. Uh, <laughs> um, God, we also get introduced to Agamethus, Agam- Agamethus, I don't, I don't know how you say his name, who is a headless dude with an eight ball. You're out of time. I have said almost nothing. You know, there was a lot that happened. Yeah. I was also confused at the name pronunciation. Agamethus, I think, is how the audiobook pronounced it. That's how my brain was. (laughs) But shout out to Robbie Damon, the voice narrator of The Trials of Apollo. He does the best i think until the narrator for sun and the star gets his shot actually no i have problems with sun and the star uh it's not spoilers but sun and the star we got our first official pronunciation of the ship name between percy and annabeth <gasps> ooh, ooh. Oh. do you want to know I do. Can I need we? to know this. I need to know this right now. According to the Sun and the Star audiobook, the official pronunciation is Perkabeth. No. No, it's not. No, it's literally not. I understand that like English language rules would imply pronunciation that way, but English language rules also imply fuck English language rules. Therefore, Perkabeth is so, makes more sense. But yeah. when I was young, until the start of this podcast, for some reason, my brain conceptualized it as Perkabeth. I have since learned. I have learned. I have learned. It's about oh. edu- it's about education. 
um, and doing better. And I am better. And I now know it is Persebeth in all grammatical and uh, common sense related reasons. However, young me is a little bit happy. I think they, oh, hello. I think that they officially made it Perkabeth because a lot of Rick's audience is like people who live in South America and people who speak Spanish. When you have a word that has um, like a C-A, it's typically a cuss sound. Mm. So maybe that's why. Uh, I mean, in, in English too, it would, the C-A with the E following the next consonant does also implies the cuss sound. Yeah. But it's a combination of purse. Like it's not a real word. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. He's he, he's Percy, not Perky. Exactly. Like that's not how ship names work. Yeah. Anyways. I changed my ways. Hmm. Good. As you should. Yeah. Because you were wrong. I was wrong. And I could never ever do all of you plus the the Persebeth experts, Carter and Eric. I could never do you all like that. So no. True. All right. What songs have we brought with us this week? This was hard because there's so much that happened that to like, yeah, yeah, really place. I, I need to check really fast to make sure that my I'm not thinking of next week's. Song. Okay, one second. <laughs> Real. I went with. I couldn't find like a specific moment of a song but I went with how I thought Apollo was feeling. And I chose the song Prologue by Chase Petra. Hmm. I don't that know. is most of my explanation. Okay. It's, listen to the song. It's like a minute and a half. It's a really short song, so you can spare it. And then you'll understand. It's it's you like with, with that short of a runtime, you might as well just listen rather than I explain it. There. Okay, I found it. I am thinking of this week. <laughs> I was not wrong. Um, so because so many things happened and like we got like a little like update on a lot of plot lines that are like running throughout this series and we saw Meg for half a second, I want to use the song Shut the Fuck Up by Rina Sawayama because I was listening to it and I was like, she would fucking love this song. And that's my only reasoning. And she was mentioned. So I was like, I'm gonna throw that in right now. Cause I don't really know when the next time we'll see her is like, hopefully like by the end of this book, but like, I feel like maybe not for a little while more, you know? Oh, I love that song. Um, and I feel, I feel like, like I've, I must've used it before for like a fight scene. Yeah, I, can't imagine it happens. I was just listening to it and I was like, Meg would love this. I was fully in the gym too. Clearly like struggling, just trying to think of anything else besides how much my body hurt. <laughs> I was like, Meg would love this song. Side note, I'm seeing Rina Sawayama in concert this weekend. Yeah, it's also to honor the fact that I can't because uh, I'm working <laughs> on the day that they're going. So that's where, really wait, when are you, where? Uh, in the city on Saturday. Like New York? Yeah. Damn. Devastating. I think she would come further south because I would actually kill someone. I'm sure she's, you're not that far south. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure Baltimore. And we thank God for it all the time. 
<laughs> we do actually thank God for it. But I, th- I don't know. I feel like I remember her not her staying most in the Northeast. Oh. They were like, do you want to come to this concert? I was like, that'd be so fun if I wasn't already scheduled. <laughs> and Saturday shifts are impossible to get someone to take for you. No real. I still don't know if I got it off, but I'm going to quit my job if I didn't. So. <laughs> yeah, I remember, I remember this drop. Just and if I don't get them off, I'll just quit. <laughs> are are you really working a job if you don't wake up every day every day being like I'm just gonna quit? Exactly. exactly. Yeah, I was real close to just walking out today when they told me I was training someone. I was like, Mm-mm. is this worth it? Is this worth saying? It's not. Um, it wasn't. I'm gonna be a weird old person, and I'm an, even though it's not that old of a song. Uh, I chose Immortals by Fall Out Boy. Yes. Classic masterpiece, masterpiece. I feel like I always debate it, and I'm always like, but it says a more. I feel like it's too on the nose, but so I'm glad someone did it. I'm glad someone pulled the trigger. Great album, loved that album. Great album, great song. Imagine being fuck how old was I? Like 14 year old me, 15 year old me, watching Big Hero Six for the first time and listening to that song. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. (laughs) <laughs> that song was in Big Hero 6. Oh, a movie yeah. I've only seen once, but remember all of. That movie wasn't your whole personality for like a month. Really surprising. Really surprising. It is technically a Marvel property. Like Big Hero 6, very different. You know it's a Marvel, <laughs> you know it's a Marvel property because it has a Stan Lee cameo. Yes. Wow. But Big Hero 6 in the comics is a little fraught. So there's some imperialism things. Anyways, side note. Quickly, just to hurt everyone who's listening to this. Tadashi is here. Great impression. That that was good. Guys, I've never seen this. I am You know so much, Brayden. So much is in that little head about comics. So much is and like the, the fact of the matter is there are so many people out there who know so much more than I do. And that's scary. Fair. Oh, my song. Sorry. Um, I had a hard time with this because I thought of the girlies and I thought Chapel Rowan, but mm. none of her songs really fit them that well no she's not quite the vibe no but like for some reason it felt right but i was like okay i need different queer women musicians different gay gay. so naturally i went to the indigo girls um because duh and i saw them live and i'll never get over it um and i there's a lot there's so much soul searching I feel like in this book and like that's kind of like Apollo's whole thing so I wanted to do kind of like Apollo like a blend of like queer musicians message for Apollo almost so I chose Galileo um because it just felt right and it's a classic and everyone knows it um and I was gonna choose closer to fine but I was like that was just in the Barbie movie and I feel like it would just remind people of Barbie instead of the the gays in the novel. So, novel gays. The novel gays. Yeah, new band name. That, that good. That was a good one. Yeah, I'll give it to you. 
what were our favorite parts of these chapters? I mean, like, we've been talking around it. Like, last week we saw gay. We said gay. This way, this way, this week, <laughs> I just, just kept rhyming with gay. Go for four. Um, <laughs> this week we were vindicated. Vindication. I need to ask y'all's opinion on something because this is a bit of a controversy in the fandom where um the fandom's divided whether or not it's a good thing that the hunters of Artemis it's any love, not just uh loving a man. Because some people were like, oh, the hunters of Artemis is a sapphic safe space. And now they're and then they're like, oh, Rick took it away from us. And other people are like, no, it makes sense that Rick wants to elaborate. All love means you can't be a hunter. And I just wanted to know what y'all think about that. What a complex question to ask us. It's a complex question. I, my initial thought, because I haven't really thought necessarily about like the continuity of it in terms of Rick's writing. I've just kind of more thought of it in the lens of like, what are the, I guess, like more concrete rules of the whole concept. But like, first of all, I don't think Rick necessarily promised that it, or like, or like even really alluded to the fact that it could like be a queer space. Like, I think like in theory, like the reader can make those conjectures for like ourselves. Um, but I don't think he ever necessarily promised something and then took it away. So I think that accusation doesn't necessarily hold up. And I also think, um, it does kind of like equitize like types of love to like have them not be able to be in a queer relationship. Um, and I appreciated that. Um, just as someone like reading it, I was like, I feel like he as like a presumably straight man is like really understanding what like equity between like different kinds of relationships would be um, where it's kind of like just, because the relationship doesn't necessarily involve a man doesn't necessarily mean like it should not be subject to the rules of relationships in general in this whole like concept. So I honestly think that it was the respectful thing to do. Um, and I was a fan. Yeah. I think I really agree with what you're saying in that I think the hunters of Artemis as a sapphic space is something that comes out of fandom more than the text. Therefore Rick isn't taking anything away. I think is a good point. Um, at the same time, I see, I see where people are coming from in that, like it feels like that space and it's specifically a space disavowing men, but it's a it's a hard like trajectory to track because the idea of like a maiden and virginity is that that this classical tradition comes out of is very different than we consider it today because it, that is considering very heterosexual ideas of what virginity means which is a sto- social construct to begin with so as time develops as that concept develops it doesn't really mean staying away from men specifically anymore. It is abstinence broadly. Therefore, I think the hunters have to change in that way. Rick could have gone either way with this, 
but I, I, I like this as a way to like have the cake and eat it too is a, a smart decision on his part, even if it still has created discourse because we do have these characters who are hunters previous, like have been hunters. They have the accoutrement. They still have the favor of Artemis, which I like, but they are separate from the group as a whole. So I, I like the choice. I see where people are coming from. I see what people can be missing from it, but I think it is the better choice overall, because I think it also solidifies the hunter specifically as a more like arrow ace space, which is different representation that is also needed. Agreed. Interesting topic though. That was so intelligent. I like don't even have anything to add. Both of you did great. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> I, I spent half my t- time in college um, like <laughs> representation and gender and sexuality. Using that degree every day. <laughs> being like be gay, do crime. True. Yeah. The crime being, I guess, being gay. <laughs> Please. Oh God. Oh. Yeah. What the other big thing is that I did I I I kind of forgot that Emmy and Joe are like married, married. Like it's an official thing, and they got married in the eighties. So I'm like, damn, who officiated this wedding? Gay marriage wasn't legalized until two thousand three in Massachusetts, I believe. Yes. I think you're correct. There's been some weird, there's been some like loopholes and stuff historically that like people have gotten married at certain points before then and between then. And there's the whole prop nine thing. And like gay marriage is a lot less linear than we like to pretend it to be. But there, I like that they're married in like a, like we're married, like who, who the fuck cares? We're not like, living by the rules of society we live in a in a building that does whatever it wants so we're not paying taxes yeah there's yeah there's no way they pay property tax on the way station so like i don't think that they're wor- worried about nobody can even locate where it is unless you're like <laughs> no way the irs knows about that yeah is there like a god of taxes though we have a god of nets oh, so he must be the god, god of taxes. taxes he's probably stupid probably i will say my head canon in my brain is that they got married in the 80s sure but officiated by iris oh i like the idea of like a little like hunter's wedding like it's a goodbye party at the same time like a little like it's kind of yeah. fierce that would be cute. My my favorite part is hearing that Artemis was like, "Oh, you guys like each other? Yeah, that's cool. No problem." You, you do realize, like, you know, I do have to take away your immortality, unfortunately, but you have my blessing. Go do your thing. Yeah, yeah. That that's honestly that's why I like it too because the idea of you're immortal because you're committing yourself kind of in a lot of ways to the worship of this goddess and this sisterhood and this community without relationships and the idea that you have a relationship to prioritize over that does disrupt what the hunters means as like a commune concept 
but I still love that they have this like little socialist commune way station thing where they like grow their own food. It's like, it's real queer. Rick Riordan must be surrounded by lesbians because this is incredibly accurate. I'm sure. Trials of Apollo, I think, is when Rick finally started having, um, oh God, what the fuck's the term? Uh, sensitivity readers. Um, yeah, for so sure. That That's probably why Trials of Apollo is a lot more inclusive in a good way and not just like, hey, let me have Nico get forcibly outed in front of Jason and have Jason's internal monologue be, I guess gay people aren't that bad compared to the gods. Oh, we can't even get into that again. Ooh, <laughs> Ooh those are fighting words. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. By the way, for anyone who, who's playing along at home, the Greek god for wealth, which, would be, which I guess would include taxes, is Plutus. So maybe Plutus comes every now and then and he's like, hey, you don't have to pay your, you have to pay your property tax, you know, 100 <laughs> golden drachmas. Yeah, leaps in a suit. But then, they, do they have an income? Does do they have to? Does it matter if they register as as a married couple on their taxes? Because, like, anyways, we actually will we'll talk about this forever. So I'm actually going to end it now. <laughs> this is one of those rabbit holes that we really get sucked into, and taxes don't need to be discussed today. So let's take a break, and then we'll come back to talk about the theme of courtship. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, courtship. We've already started delving into this, um, especially with the question about the, the um, hunters and how that develops. Um, what else do we think about courtship in these chapters? Well, I just like the, like, I don't know. I think of courtship and the implication in my brain is like, an 1800s like someone is courting someone very formally and it's like all about novelty like it's kind of all about the newness of a relationship um and so therefore that kind of takes me to the calypso and leo situation um where like calypso has been on this island for quite literally thousands of years and so any relationship for her is going to be new um and kind of this idea that she is so willing, I guess, to like leave the comfort of what she knows um, and like almost like reciprocate that courtship um, that Leo is kind of extending or kind of enacting um, is just sweet. And I just, it reminds me of how new, not necessarily just to Leo, the relationship is, also to Calypso it's so new to her because her life has been so long um yeah and it's just they're sweet <laughs> but it's also interesting the conflict that's starting to arise in it oh yeah 
that it, it feels very organic and very, it's so weird how relatable and applicable the conflict feels because it's so specific and fantastical. Whereas this, this centuries old goddess and this teen boy who he rescued from an island and now she's mortal. Like there's there's not like no direct analog to this in in our real lives, but still at the same time, it feels very emblematic of any relationship that has to survive different status quo changes. And also like different expectations for the future. Like it's only like a brief moment, but Leo talks about like like she had like such a stable like yes she was imprisoned but she was like she had a a place to like settle and decorate I think was mentioned and like create like a place for herself and they've only been like in chaos for the past couple months like getting her out and then traveling and then trying to escape and then on this quest and it's like it's a very common relationship problem to have someone who always wants to be, who who wants to settle down and someone who doesn't, which is like technically what this is when you boil it down. I mean, like a lot, like <laughs> the heat's going to have to be on for a while and you're going to have to take a lot of different things out of the equation. But like, that is uh, a typical relationship problem, especially at like the point we're in. So and it's also interesting how seeing the parallels in these two relationships of this like really established relationship that has been around for years and this really fresh relationship that they both feel healthy in some ways but like we don't we don't really have much conflict in the the Josephine Emmy relationship but I'm interested to see what arises because they feel very similar and very specifically analogous with Leo and Calypso. I mean, they like section off, like Apollo talks about how like, you know, each of them, like each of members of the couple, like gravitate towards each other. And Apollo's like, and I'm just left here to like clean toilets. (laughs) Like, like um, Calypso gets to go plant like, plant uh stuff in the garden and leo gets to go build machines and i'm mung beans i think it was oh i'm so glad you remembered what it was yeah like it's so random what i remember and what i don't (laughs) i don't know about y'all but like this scene that's describing them making dinner my i I, fresh fruit fresh made bread fresh made every like damn dude yeah great it i loved having a little domestic scene it's just like very new for these books. We like, it's just, and it's weird because it's something that actually happens a lot in fantasy writing is this specific scene of like visiting someone's house and making dinner with them is almost its own trope in fantasy writing, but we've never had this before really. Yeah. And there's, it's not, much into this besides like it's often like this representation of like what the future could be like for these characters um 
and it feels very interesting because we we start to get i think leo's perspective a little we don't really get calypso's perspective on how she's feeling about this relationship that much because she doesn't have any comfortability or will willingness to open up to apollo um and i'm interested to see how she's feeling because we're presented with this like oh here are these two people immersed in this world who have like made a life for themselves, had a child. Um, it's stuff we started to get out with New Rome in the last books, but no, we've never really seen characters solidified in this space. And then so as our characters that we've been following now for a lot of books start to grow older and start to like develop in their relationships, seeing where Leo and Calypso could go is interesting because we don't really know how they feel about it. Yeah, new love is a hell of a drug. Um, I don't remember if it's in this set of chapters or the next one where they talk about how, like, they've been together for six months or whatever, but those six months were all um, uh, panic and biting monsters and running away, trying to get back to New York. And then, like, they had this month and a half going to imagine just traveling constantly like from day one of a new relationship for seven and a half months. Yeah. It it creates a very specific dynamic in a relationship where like when you're running on that adrenaline, when every situation you're in is, is danger. What does it mean when you're put in this domestic situation? Which is interesting because it's something that uh, Joe and Emmy must've, experience because they were hunters and they chose to settle down. So it's definitely, there's like very direct parallels there. Yeah. I kind of hope that they get a moment to, I guess, chat with Calypso and and Leo. Um, Because I feel like these, I don't know, the tensions are making themselves out to be a plot point that's bigger than them. Um, so I'm I'm curious to see if those parallels will come to a head, you know. I mean, I'm I'm certain that it's re- they're really going to come forward in the rest of this book in that even just like their daughter seems to be very central to whatever's happening with um the emperor to we learn his name in the these chapters or the next chapters. Uh, I think in the, these chapters they just keep saying he called himself the new Hercules, and they yes. they're like they they dare not say his name in this house because saying the name of monsters and gods gives them power. Yeah, I do think we start to Apollo's like, mm, there's I, I feel like I know who this is. There's something up here. Yeah, Apollo's like, I know. Like, oh yes, this is going to be awkward. Apollo, so. Apollo's brain struggling to remember everything his godly brain knew is such a mood because that's just me trying to remember anything that's ever happened to me in the past like six days. Real, very real, real ADHD brain moments. True. I had a moment the other day where I found out my sister's throwing a barbecue. And I'm like, you didn't invite me. And she's like, I'm pretty sure I did. And I'm and I'm like, I think it's a 50-50 chance you didn't or I forgot, but it's like 50-50. Oh, yeah. I feel that.
Any more thoughts on courtship or the chapters? Um, so I, I will say that actually I should save that for my uh, my sass moments then. Hold on, never mind. Oh, the one thing I did love was that in the beginning, Apollo pretty much described godhood like it was an office job. Like, you know, he'd have to file uh, paperwork and triplicate for the fates or whatever. I forget what the context was. I think he was going to try and kill someone. Yeah. Indeed he was. Oh, no, it was making it was making people immortal. That's what he was, what he was talking about. Okay. It, it's just so funny. I always love, like, seeing what we perceive as scary or divine identities this is a completely different topic than the than the theme of this episode but i love seeing that kind of thing being reduced to like an office space you know like beetlejuice is kind of that monsters inc is kind of that yeah all that's always a trope that i'm I'm really into is that the mundanity of the supernatural of the sublime i think i think that is the name of the trope like the mundanity of the sublime um very very interesting always and that's something that rick loves to play with what are our sass moments i took a picture of it um because there's so many there are so many funny moments in these four chapters i know oh okay um i was just a big fan of how leo phrased this this is like beginning of seven um when just like joe and emmy um like let them in and they were making dinner and kind of like chefing up their their or lunch actually totally lunch um leo plunked the cheese wheel in front of me cut me a wedge of this my good man chop chop specifically the my good man really (laughs) sent me because i was like this kid's what 15 (laughs) i Love Leo. Leo love is Leo. always funny. Leo. I know some people find Leo annoying. I find Leo. I literally don't hilarious. care. I love Leo. Podcast. I don't care. Pro Leo podcast. Yeah. Um. Mine is. It hit my chest and dropped into my lap. I barely caught it before it wobbled off the couch. Master of dexterity, Calypso mumbled. Turn it over. Weren't you listening? Oh, be quiet. I wish Calypso could only communicate thirty percent of the time. <laughs> Talking about name that we couldn't pronounce, how he like can't ever really say anything with certainty. Oh yes, Agamethus. Mythus. I thought it was not that. It's fine. I have two. I have two. So, Brayden, you go first in case one of my two is one of yours. All right. <laughs> my mine is mine is a little long. Mine is um. As soon as I placed my foot on the rug, I thought, "Wait, was this rug here before?" Which was followed closely by the thought. Why does this rug look like a tightly woven net? Followed by, this is a net. Followed by, yikes. <laughs> it was just like the succession of those quips was, it was great. I, I, I love the progression of it. It felt really like relatable of like, that is how you think of things. And that's funny. Relatable humor is real basic humor, but... Mm-hmm. We all love like that, like, don't we all hate the DMV? Always <laughs> that kind of humor gets everyone for a reason. Yeah. 
Uh, the DMV was the perfect thing to pick. It was. Mention that phenomenon. Yeah. I mean, and then speaking of that kind of humor, mine is being productive. Ugh, such a human concept. It implies you have limited time, LOL, and have to work hard to make something happen, double LOL. I almost chose that one. It's so good. I also almost chose being productive. Ugh. Rick riding out here, pushing 60, trying to be cool for the kids. No, because he gets it. He acknowledges that productivity is a capitalist concept. Rick and hang. My, being, my, pro- <laughs> being productive, like this, this slam on being productive is kind of crazy for a guy who pumps out like at one or two books a year. <laughs> hey, he he's slowed down in his old age. He's only doing one. No, he's doing two this year. He did Son of the Star and he's doing Chalice of the Gods. Damn. Ooh. You were about to be so confidently too. He's only doing one. He he didn't write some of the stars alone, so that helps a little bit. I just can't believe you said Rick can hang. Uh, I don't know why that really delivers me, but for anyone who's curious, my second place was going to be. As for the ghost Agamethus, he hovered in one corner of the kitchen holding his magic ape all dejectively as if it were a third place prize from a three-person competition. <laughs> that, like, was good. that was really good too. That one like had me like laugh out loud. Yeah. I I kind of forget. Like we like to clown on Rick a little bit because like the first five books were written in the early aughts. So he'll reference like Green Day or whatever, and we'll be like, oh silly Rick. And it's like, no, that was like funny in 2006 or whatever. And like this book came out in 2016 or 17. Yeah, sure. Um, kind of dejected humor about life is sort of what's funny now. Yeah. True. Now I'm real curious about, I just need to know exactly 2017. This is a post Trump book. <laughs> <sighs> Which is interesting because we were talking about the last book was pre Trump. But but that like whole like rich politician guys ruling the world from behind the scenes thing that felt very topical at the time was kind of like right on the cusp of it becoming really a big pattern in society, which is interesting. What did Rick know? Truly. I guess Trump was like running. So like, I guess there's some like association. Some indication. Yeah. Being in the primaries is like a good indication, I guess, that you might be important going forward. I suppose. But so, hey, some of the those people up for the nomination we'll never hear from again. So Chris Christie is running for the Republican nomination. I found that out the other day. Yeah, Chris he Christie. He used to be the governor of my state, and I literally didn't even know he was running for president. Yeah. God. He sucks. He's terrible. Rob DeSantis, crazy as shit. Donald yep. Trump. Oh my god. If, if Trump can't run, DeSantis can't win, even with a Trump. Uh, what's this is politics? Never mind. Yeah, yeah, we don't, don't need to get into the this dark timeline. But like, DeSantis might be even worse than Trump. But I don't. We don't need to get into somehow. It. It, you know what? DeSantis is like the triumvirate, and we all thought Trump was Gaia. And it's like that. This is as bad as it gets, right? Gaia. That's that's a lot. No, <laughs> it gets <laughs> really? worse. No, yeah, because DeSantis is like a little, like a lot more competent. Right, and that super was a villain. Super villain. 
like a little more you, he's like Lex Luthor whereas Trump is like the abomination I don't know what that's referencing but abomination is the correct word so I agree he's uh, one of the Hulk's villains he's basically just a big guy who also smashes things oh <laughs> oh <laughs> oh what are our offerings I don't know. There's like so many choices. I was debating a lot before the episode started. Um, I'm going to give mine to Rick for pulling the lesbian trigger. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking thinking about it, but I think uh, I'm going to give it to gay people in general. All of them? Yeah. Um, Good to know that I get one, like, one i don't know how many gay people are in the world like one one like one, five one. at least <laughs> there's at least five and three of them are here <laughs> three of us and at least two other people and at least two other people it's amazing it's like it's just five gay people in the entire world and we're three of them right here at least at least so like why isn't the press like here right now? it's like that episode of spongebob where they go into the mattress store and Spongebob's like, wow, how many mattresses do you think they are? And there's like giant towers of mattress. And Patrick looks around thoughtfully, he's like, 10. <laughs> All right. So we have Rick Riordan and gay people, people who were not in these chapters. Hey. Well, no, that's not true. Gay people were in these chapters. So, wow. Um, gay erasure already. Damn, Brayden. Damn. Caught me. <laughs> I'm going to give mine to the daughter. Regina, have we found out about her yet? Shit. Yes. Well, yes, we have. <laughs> yes, we have. Um, yeah. I don't think I need to explain that. Yeah, it's pretty obvious. A great name, too. And yeah. I, I want to give my offering to Leo because he fits in the overalls that belong to a seven. Literally. <laughs> I almost picked that as my sass moment just because it was funny. Not because it was sassy. It was just good. He's so small. <laughs> So tiny. Who are our more importantly votes off? I don't know. I I don't know if anyone like stood out. Indiana. Mm. Hopping mm. on ours from last week. Yeah. Fuck Indiana. Um I can I make a bold stance? Ooh. And like as many can probably imply, we're recording two episodes in a row. So like we have read the upcoming information about this character, which, but like from initial like reading Agamethus, am I correct? Yeah. Freak me the hell out. So for these chapters, I'm going to give the vote off just because before like these chapters were over, like I was spooked. It was also funny. He's really coming for like the book that shall, shall not be named, like that near yeah. endless Nick gig. <laughs> okay, okay, he had a ghost. Okay, headless. Oh my god, the headless horseman. Oh, true. Ah, uh, so tough. We talked about last week, Sleepy Hollow Core. Yeah, I kind of like Tagamethus. I don't know, but that's uh, another thing. Yeah, I have uh, nothing against him either. I guess it's just Neve. 
It was just these chapters. I was like, this is creepy. Like, I don't know why this set up like he has no head and he's using a magic eight ball to talk like I'm unnerved. But then, you know, in the next chapters, he's going to make up for it. So it's okay. I was really into the magic eight ball personally. I thought it was really funny. Makes sense for you. I love how Apollo is like, you you look to this for divination. You insult me. (laughs) (laughs) And Calypso is so interested. She's like, what kind of magic is that? I love her. Um, My vote off is Ron DeSantis. You know, I mean, technically speaking, unless unless otherwise stated, he exists somewhere in the Riot universe. Just exactly. You know, that's true. <laughs> recently, think... recently, it was brought to my attention that if you could technically say that all movies that are based on a true story take place in the same universe, that's true. Um, yeah, the yeah. real world. <laughs> The real world universe, the 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 re, the real CU, <laughs> the based on the real world the verse. Um, anyways, I'm voting off Nero because um, he's, here. He's, here. he's here, and uh-huh. specifically, we're like, like Apollo's like, oh, Meg's glasses are broken. That was. Rick is really towing the line of how like dark and explicit he's getting with the abuse in these books. And I think it's, it's interesting storytelling. And I think it's an important kind of story to tell. It's real, it's real hard to see though. And it's supposed to be, but it's really like Nero is really, I don't know how you get worse. Yeah. Like Octavian's looking Looking like Percy. For real. And with that, that is all for this week. Robert, would you like to plug yourself, even though you will be here next week as well, but just in case. Yeah. Um, the only thing I'm really going to plug is because um, the SAG AFTRA guidelines have updated and they're like, hey, if you run a podcast, that's like a rewatch podcast for like struck companies. Maybe don't if you want to stand in solidarity. I'm like, fuck yeah, solidarity. So the only one I'm really going to promote is my Heartstopper podcast, True and Grammar Book Club. Sweet. Uh, because we're just talking about the gay webcomic. Period. Slay. Heartstopper is a good comic. And that's all it is as far as I know <laughs> at the moment. It, it, it's, I, I don't think... I think it's a different stu- like like a different like production company union whatever for the Heartstopper TV show because it's a British show. But oh, also that is true. But, but also Netflix, I've heard so it's like yeah. yeah, a it's on Netflix and B, uh, I've also heard that the some British actors are trying to form like to strike, but the EU has a lot of anti-union laws, so that's a little difficult. Hmm. Politics, man. I can't pretend to know the European Union's uh, union laws, but pro-union. This podcast is pro-union and pro-striking. So, as of like an hour ago, um, there's a bunch. There's a group of animators who are like just now. Yes, the the Marvel VFX uh, 
team has has called for a union is unionizing um i posted about it on my story about an hour ago um right yeah it's very exciting vfx has never had a union animators barely have anything um it's a field that is hugely important to media currently um and is completely underrepresented and really abused by studios um so it's great that they are unionizing and with that that is all for this week join us next week where we'll be once again joined by robert and discussing chapters 9 through 12 Make sure to follow us on social media. We're at Return to Camp on every platform that matters. And we also have a coffee account and a Redbubble store and a website, www.returntocamp.com. See you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> that last bye. <laughs> this is so scary. <laughs>